Jesus days, the, uh, how did he put it? The Jesus movement days, that's right. I wasn't quite old enough. But I do, that's right. But I do remember those beautiful songs. Well, tonight we're going to look at a few Proverbs, and uh, so since we're going to be bouncing all over the place, I'm going to just put the scriptures up here tonight. So you'll be able to see the scriptures that we're going to consider tonight. Um, Before we begin, just an announcement that in a few weeks now, we're going to have a Passover Seder on a Wednesday night. Um, That's the 28th, I believe. Yep, the 28th. And uh, all the table, all the chairs will be uh, cleaned out of here. We'll have 300 plus people in here sitting at tables, and we'll be participating in a seder. Those tickets always get sold out. They, so if you've never done a seder like that, and you'd like to do that, you you need to go ahead and get your ticket. And uh, I think there's some folks that can help you with that after the service. Let's pray together. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we are so grateful for who you are. We are so grateful to know you. And we are so very grateful for your word. Lord, there is safety in your word. There's safety in keeping your word. There's true joy in keeping your word. There's health in keeping your word. Really, Lord, all we need to be is submissive, willing to obey what your word teaches. Bless our time tonight. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are like 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and so there are like 500 Proverbs give or take, in the book of Proverbs. And each proverb is a little golden nugget of wisdom. Each one that can help you live your life. And so as you're reading through uh, the book of Proverbs, it really is like collecting all these golden nuggets of wisdom that will help you in every area of your life. But you got 500 Proverbs. So how do you go about that? What's the proper way to study the book of Proverbs? Well, the book of Proverbs can be organized topically by theme. There are topics regarding every single area of life represented in the book of Proverbs. And so you can think of each topic as like a bucket. And as you're studying through the book of Proverbs, you're grabbing those golden nuggets and putting it in the appropriate bucket. So there's the finance bucket, maybe, or the relationship bucket, or whatever, all kinds of different topics and themes. So what I recommend to Christians is when you study the book of Proverbs, do it regularly, and you should read it through verse by verse, getting all kinds of different pieces of wisdom. But then also there might be a time where you want to see what this book has to say about one particular topic. And so go into the book of Proverbs and find 
all those proverbs that deal with that topic. And you should know that there are resources that already exist that have done all that work for you. There's a resource called um, the Treasury Book of Scripture Knowledge. There's another resource called NAV's Topical Bible, where literally all the topics, you pull open the book, you, you go to a topic you're interested in, and it will list all of the references on what the Bible has to say about that topic. And they even have those resources for the book of Proverbs. In fact, I tried it today. Google Proverbs by Topic. And you will go to a list where by hyperlinks you can just press on a topic and find out everything that the book of Proverbs has to say about that certain topic. So again, read through it consistently. The more you do, the more you know the book of Proverbs and the more you obey it. If you do that, you will become a very rich man or woman in wisdom. But then if you need to drill down, go search by topic and find out what this wonderful book of Proverbs has to say. Now, that's kind of what we're doing on Wednesday nights. We're looking at buckets. We're not going verse by verse. Last week, we looked at what I would call the general life guiding principle bucket. And uh, that's where we just looked at some, some very general Uh, Proverbs that would apply to all of life, these big themes that you want to keep at the forefront of your mind, like walking in the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom, or guard your heart, because out of it flow all of the issues of life. Don't cover up your sins. Confess them. So we looked at some like that. Tonight, I want to look at two buckets, and one is very, very important. They're both very, very important, but this is a biggie. I want to pull out the bucket that we would call self-control and discipline. The book of Proverbs speaks a lot about self-control. There are at least 70 Proverbs that speak to this topic in life. In the book of Proverbs, the wise man or woman is a self-controlled man or woman. Someone who is very, very disciplined in life. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit, is like a city broken down without walls. In other words, whoever lacks self-control, whoever lacks self-discipline, self-rule, is like a city broken down without walls. If you don't have self-control, you're vulnerable. You're unprotected. You are defenseless against the many, many common pitfalls in life that destroy people's lives. Now, I want you to understand something tonight. We all have enemies. We all have external enemies. As Christians, the devil's our enemy, right? The world is our enemy. There are a lot of people in our lives that have proven to be enemies. But never forget, 
You can be your own worst enemy. You yourself, your passion, your desires, your appetites can be your own worst enemy. And that can be the biggest struggle in our life. Thomas Kempis said, No conflict is so severe as his who labors to subdue himself. A college president not long ago made this statement to a class of graduating seniors. It gets easier and easier for man to dominate his universe and harder for him to dominate himself. Discipline. Self-control. Self-rule. Leads to a wise life. So let's look at a few areas in the book of Proverbs where self-control is an absolute must. Let's read this one. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Self-control sexually. Absolute must. There are 44 proverbs that deal specifically with the topic of sexual immorality. The wise man or woman has mastered that part of their life. The foolish man or woman has not. Now the scripture is very, very clear about sex. God invented sex. Sex is not a dirty word. And it's not a dirty experience. It is a gift and it is meant to be enjoyed. But the scripture is also very clear that sex is only to be enjoyed within the context of a marriage between one man and one woman for a lifetime. That's it. No sex before marriage. No sex while dating. No sex while being engaged. Only sex within the context of a marriage relationship. No cheating on your spouse. No affairs. No flirtatious relationships with people other than your spouse. We should not allow ourselves to be influenced by anything that would incite lust. So certainly you would not want to be looking at pornography or any other kind of material that would inflame that passion in you. Very simple, very straightforward. Many, many people make that mistake. And let's just go down the list. What can happen? What can happen if you break that? Unwanted pregnancies that oftentimes lead to abortion. Sexually transmitted disease that you will carry for the rest of your life. 
broken marriage, a broken home, a broken family, the loss of money, for by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. High-profile men of God and women of God have even been targeted. And through scandal, you can, I mean, you can lose everything. All of that. And, and it's not something that you mess around with. It literally says, can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? If you take fire to your bosom, what's going to happen? Your clothes will be burned. If you live a sexually immoral life, it will bring destruction. Somehow, some way to your life. So, self-control. Self-discipline. Very important area in life. Let's look at another one. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without a cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the what? Those who go in search of mixed wine. Alcohol, drugs, the party scene. There are 33 proverbs in the book of wisdom that speak directly to this subject. And the book of Proverbs says, wise people don't get drunk. They don't get buzzed. They don't get wasted. They don't get smashed. They don't get bombed. They don't get whatever is the word it's being used today, right? Self-control. Self-discipline. The wise man or woman will not do that. The fool will. And what can happen with all that kind of stuff, folks? What happens? What pitfalls? Well, it can lead to addiction. You can become an alcoholic. How many alcoholics are in American culture? Um, It'll impact your health. It will in, remove your, your restraints. How many people make decisions when they're drunk that they regret for the rest of their lives? How many? People lose money. Listen, we do a lot of marriage counseling at this church. And I will tell you that I would estimate that 80% of the marital issues that we deal with at this church, there's a relation to the abuse of alcohol. Oh, the husband or the wife has to go to happy hour after work with their buddies. Happy hour. Why do they call that happy hour? Nobody's happy there. Or the husband who spends all the money on drugs or alcohol. And the family is in need. It is a pitfall. You must exercise 
self-discipline. And let me tell you, it's hard because we live in an alcohol-saturated society. Do we not? Alcohol is everywhere. Every gathering, it seems. Every event. All over the place. You know, years ago, my sons were playing Little League. I mean, we're talking seven, eight years old. T-ball. And we played at the sportsplex on the east side. And they had a central snack bar at this place. <laughs> and you would think that they would just serve nachos, right? Or cook. They served beer at the Little League Sportsplex concession stands. Now, let me tell you, you get a bunch of drunk parents in the stands watching baseball games. I'm telling you, every weekend police showed up. Every weekend there were fights between parents. It is ridiculous. Alcohol is everywhere. It has saturated the American culture. And you can just float right downstream with everyone else. Or you can be wise. I mean, one slip. I know of a, a good godly man, a good Christian man, and uh, he was at an event, and he got tipsy. Like one time in his life, and he ends up texting one of his interns. As, and he's a married man. And then she kept those texts and accused him of sexually harassment. One night, almost lost his marriage, his family, his career, everything. One night. One time. When it comes to alcohol, there are some here that shouldn't even touch it. If you've been addicted, then you shouldn't touch it again. I was talking to a young man the other day, and I appreciated his honesty and his candidacy. He said, Pastor Terry, I can't just drink one beer. I'll drink the whole case. I'll drink till I pass out. Well, then that man shouldn't touch beer. Self-control. Self-discipline. Let's check out another. Do not mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. So gluttony. Gluttony. And I would add to that physical health. Physical health. Taking care of yourself. The wise man or woman takes care of their body, takes care of the diet and all of that stuff. Very, very careful about that. Don't slack on that. You know, as Christians, we concentrate a lot on our spirits, and we should, shouldn't we? The spirit is much more important than the body. But did you know that the scripture says your body is a, a temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit? And you need to take care of it. Those who don't, those who are reckless, they're going to have health issues when they get older. They're going to have a lower quality of life. Too many McDonald hamburgers may send you to heaven early, right? And that is, listen, 
it gets harder as we get older, doesn't it? I mean, there was most for most of my life, I've eaten whatever I wanted to eat because I'll work out. I'll exercise almost every day, and I think, oh, if I just exercise every day, then I can eat whatever I want. I'm getting to the age now where that ain't working. You have got to watch physical health. And here's the deal. Brute, just brute discipline. That's it. Get up and walk. Get up and run. Watch what you eat. Again, it's this thing. Self-rule. Important. How about this one? A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler. And your need like an armed man. Laziness. Leisure. Recreation. R&R. Entertainment. 31 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs speak to this. And I think that is a really, really big one for Americans. Now, I'm not talking about sleeping in all the time or laying on your couch all the time. But think about all the leisure time that we have as Americans. All the time that we waste. You know, um, all the things that are available today that you know are designed to keep you tuned in. Did you know that? Designed for you to waste time. Netflix streaming. Man, you can kill hours like that, right? The TV, the video games, the, uh, you know, the Facebook and the Instagram and all of the stuff that keeps you glued. There's a stat that's saying that teenagers today are checking their social media on average 100 times every day. 100 times checking Facebook, Snapchat. Adults are checking their their phones a lot as well. Okay. Nothing wrong with rest. Nothing wrong with a little relaxation. Nothing wrong with a little TV or a little entertainment. Control it. Amen? Limit it. Take back time. Be productive. Listen to this stat. If you live to be 75 years old, the statistics tell us that on average, you will have spent 9 to 11 years of your life watching TV. I want you, 9 to 11 years of your life watching TV, looking at a screen. Think about that. You remember the Wright brothers? Remember them? Orville and Wilbur, the first flight done by them, December 17th, 1903. That was four years after they began to start studying flight. 
Listen to that. Orville had three years of high school. Wilbur had four years of high school. Neither of them had college. Neither of them had computers. Neither of them had Google. And they began to start studying flight. Four years later, their first flight. Two years later, they refined it. Six years. In six years, two young men invented flight. And we're spending nine years watching TV. What could be done? My friend, what could be done if we were self-controlled and self-disciplined with our time? If you waste it, if it's all leisure for you, poverty is going to come upon you like a prowler. But if you take back that time and make it, use it productively, I've told my kids, don't spend all all your time on, on Facebook or Snapchat. Why don't you invent the next Snapchat? Why, don't spend all your time on, on the Netflix. Why don't you get involved in learning how to write a play? How to be a director? Do something productive. There's a lot of people getting very wealthy off of the laziness of American people. Another very, very important one. One more. Here's a biggie. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. What's a talebearer? The gossip, right? The one who gossips, the one who just spreads, talks about other people. 42 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs deal with gossip. And I really think that's a matter of self-control. Now, unfortunately, gossip has been called the Christian sin. Maybe Christians don't do a lot of these other kinds of things, but a lot of Christians will get involved in gossip, talking about somebody else. Listen, you destroy reputations. You destroy friendships. Self-control. When somebody comes to you with a juicy story, tell them you're not interested. Cover your brother and sister in Christ. Stand up for your brother and sister in Christ. Very important. So, five... Matters are very important when it comes to self-control. You know, I mean, sex, the alcohol, the physical diet, um, rest and leisure, and gossip. Think about those five areas, those five and how important they are. And, And the tentacles that reach from each one of those areas into your life. And if you grab a hold of it, how wise it can be. Okay, I want to look at another bucket. And I'm going to call this bucket conflict. Okay, so we all live on the planet with people, right? Do you have people in your life? And do you get along with all those people in your life? 
Uh, we're dealing with people at work. We're dealing with people at school, people in our neighborhoods, people, um, our families, our marriages, our children, our parents, our extended relatives, our friendships. And it's not always pretty, is it? It's not always pretty. There is conflict. It is a regular part of life. There are well over a hundred Proverbs that you can find in the book of Proverbs that speak about conflict. Quarrels. Golden nuggets of truth. Let's look at a few of them. It says it's honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. One of the best ways to deal with conflicts is to avoid them. (laughs) Don't get in them. A wise man or woman isn't walking around life starting fights with people. It says any fool can start a quarrel. And there are people in this world that are so contentious, and you've met them, haven't you? They're contentious, and they're always picking fights. Always, always, always picking fights. That person is a miserable person. Avoid them. Avoid fights. Avoid quarrels. Do everything you can to avoid conflict. Here's one of my favorite Proverbs. Oh, I wish all of us knew this and practiced this. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory, get this, his glory is to overlook a transgression. Think about that. Solomon is saying the truly wise man or woman literally overlooks offenses. Ignores them. Doesn't get defensive. Like water off a, off a, a duck's back. That is so important. I mean, we live in a world, we live in a fallen world, and we're offended every day, aren't we? Do people bug you every day? Do you bug people every day? We all probably bug somebody, right? We're always offending each other. I mean, there's all kinds of issues in life. There's all kinds of things where, I mean, and and your glory, Solomon says, a wise man or woman will overlook them. What works you up? Do you have to defend yourself on every little thing? Why not overlook some things? I'll tell you, I have seen the worst kinds of fights over the most trivial of matters. I have seen huge fights in the church over the color of fabric over the presentation of a snack in a children's ministry function. I mean, and it's just, 
I will never forget years ago, and both these guys are gone, so don't try to figure out who they are. But we were a very, very small church, and in our sound system, we had a speaker that was on a stand over here and a speaker that was on a sound a stand over here. We had the VBS week, and we had it all decorated. I mean, crazy decorated. It was one of our first VBSs where we just went all out. Well, um, somebody had put little stuffed parrots on each of the speakers. Okay? So then the worship leader, this guy comes in, and he's going to lead worship, and he sees the parrots on these speakers. Who put the parrots on my speakers? It's going to impact the sound. So he goes and he takes the parrots and literally throws them off to the side. Okay, so then, five minutes before the service, in comes the one who's doing all the decorating. Who, who got rid of my parrots? And they went up and they got the parrots and they put them back up. And these two almost got in a fight over parrots five minutes before I began preaching on unconditional love in the church. <laughs> That is sickening. You cause so much pain. There's so much stress. So much high blood pressure. So much loss of sleep. Over the most trivial of matters. Trivial. By the way, transgression, that's not a trivial word. That's a serious word, isn't it? His glory is to overlook a transgression. That's like a sin. That's a pretty big offense. Forgive people. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't harbor grudges. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, Above all things, have a fervent love for one another, for love will cover over a multitude of sins. Your sign of maturity, your sign of wisdom, is characterized, I believe, in many ways by this verse, in how you deal with people. What offends you? And you need to ask yourself questions. What should offend you? You know, what, what, what battle should you fight? Think through those things. Become wise. All right, what about the conflicts where you have to deal with them? I mean, there are certainly times in life where you need it, Right? You have an issue with somebody, and you need to talk through it. And wisdom is knowing when which is which, right? But okay, so when you are in a tough conflict and you got to work things out, um, anger. There are forty-two proverbs on anger. Here's one of them: A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. We just read the proverb that says, the discretion of a man makes him slow to 
to anger. In the book of Proverbs, the hothead, the person with the short fuse, is a fool. A fool. A person who flies off the handle, who cannot control their temper. It says a quick-tempered man acts foolishly. They'll say things that they regret. They'll do things that they regret. They will do things that sometimes can cost them a lot of pain. Uh, assault. Murder. Violence. Domestic abuse. My brother and sister in Christ, we are called to be slow. Slow to anger. And my brother, my sister, if you have a, a, a problem with anger, you need to understand that that's a really, really big problem. And you need to take that very, very seriously. And if you're a Christian, you need, you need to go to the Lord a lot about that. And you need to pray about that. And you need to ask for help in that area of your life. And one of the best ways you can, you can keep yourself from blowing up, when, when you feel that rage coming up, you have to cool off. Cool off. Dude, go for a walk. Go for a walk. Take some time away. Get your head on straight. In a conflict, an explosive anger does nobody any good. In a conflict, you have to communicate respectfully. You have to be very, very careful with words. How many of you have seen that one before? A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That is absolutely true. That is 100% true. You're in a conflict with somebody, and you give them an insult. You speak harshly with them. You have just poured gasoline on the fire. If you speak a soft answer, clearly communicating your side, but doing it with respect and measured, now you can talk. Now you can talk. Again, if you struggle, this is obviously related with anger. If, if you feel that happening... Go take a walk. Count to ten. <laughs> or in some cases, one thousand and ten, right? He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and shame to him. In any conflict, there are two sides of the story, right? You are not going to resolve a conflict if you do not listen to the other side. And I mean listen. A lot of times we listen thinking about what we're going to say. You ever done that? Somebody's talking right at you and you're thinking about something else. Yeah, what? What did you say? 
Listening takes effort. It takes discipline, especially when you're in a fight. You have to sit down and you have to listen and you think before you speak. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it's folly. And it's a shame to him. Many, many other uh, proverbs in this bucket when it comes to speech. In fact, I found that there are 114 proverbs. 114 proverbs that speak about how we should speak. The words that we should use, how we should work. Get these. Get these in your brain. Okay, a couple other things with conflict. Proverbs 25, 9, debate your case with your neighbor. Do not disclose the secret to another. What's that saying? When you get in a fight, when you get in a quarrel, try to resolve it privately, right? Don't run to all your friends and and tell them how horrible your wife is. Don't run to the church and tell everybody about this lousy brother or sister who offended you in some way. Go to them. Resolve it privately. And protect each other. Don't spread secrets. Now, the scripture says you should try to do that privately. You should try to go one-on-one with somebody and try to make it right. Now, according to Matthew 18, if that doesn't work, then you bring witnesses, right? And then you try, and and, and then eventually that can get to uh, become a church leadership kind of thing. But in, in, in every conflict, man... You treat people with respect. You you, you stay cool-headed. And and you listen and you work through it. Okay, I'm going to put up one more proverb. And this is actually not in the book of Proverbs. So I'm kind of throwing you for a loop here. But it's a proverb. You know there's lots of Proverbs outside of the book of Proverbs? There's like nine, I think there's like a thousand proverbs throughout the entire Bible. You find them in Genesis and all over the place. Now, of course, the greatest concentration of them are in the book of Proverbs. But look at this one. Ephesians chapter 4. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your what? Nor give place to the devil. This is something that Kim and I have practiced for all of our years of marriage. Did you know that Kim and I every now and then get in a little squabble? Or did you think we were just perfect? Let me tell you right now. There is no such thing as a conflict-free marriage. You got two people living under the same roof. There's going to be some fights. There's going to be some arguments. A successful Christian marriage is not a conflict-free marriage that doesn't exist. A successful Christian marriage is a marriage where husband and wife have learned how to work through the conflicts that are inevitable. Got it? You have to work through. And this is one of the rules that we've kept. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. If you're 
in an argument, don't ever go to bed mad at each other. I mean, you may not even be able to agree on whatever it is you're talking about, but you can agree to disagree and you'll resolve it in the morning and I love you, honey, and a kiss goodnight. But don't ever let the sun go down on your wrath. There's something about that. When you leave that in your heart and you sleep on it, it stews, doesn't it? It's like marinates in there. And you wake up the next morning and you're still mad. And it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. This proverb says, make sure that you deal with things quickly. Don't let those things stew. Okay. The conflict bucket. Lots of proverbs. And the self-control bucket. Lots of proverbs. Lots to think about. I challenge you to do just like what we did. If there's an issue in your life, you find out what the book of Proverbs has to say about it. Check it out. Now, I want to end with this, though. We, when we go through that self-control thing, it's easy to beat yourself up, isn't it? Oh, who hasn't blown it with leisure, right? I mean, have we always lived this perfect self-disciplined life? We all struggle. But we all need to work at those areas. And if you're a Christian, you don't have to do it by yourself. If you're a Christian here tonight, the Bible says that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside you. And listen to these two verses in Galatians chapter 5. Listen carefully. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The Holy Spirit can give you self-control. You know, the Christian life, you don't even want to see it kind of as self-control. You'd rather see it as spirit control. And that's where you're choosing day by day as a Christian man or woman to yield yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside you. And to spend time with the Lord. And to depend upon him on a day-by-day basis. If you're struggling in these areas, um, I think the acceptable, the best strategy for that would not be to run out of here and say, I'm going to be more self-disciplined. It should be more, I'm going I'm to go after the Holy Spirit more. Because I need, I, need, I need his help in these areas in life. And let him help you and empower you. Amen? All right. That's enough for tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. 
for telling us the plain old truth. And again, Lord, as we said earlier, um, it's, it's not necessarily a matter of understanding these things. It's just being submissive. Just being submissive. And Lord, we recognize that you've, you, you've, you've put these commands, these safeguards in place because you want us to live a very fruitful, healthy, long life. That's what you want. And so, Lord, help us in these matters. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.